Welcome back to the movies. I'm your host, Daniel Berrios, and today, recommended by my friend Risa, I am talking about Ridley Scott's epic gladiator. The general who became a slave. The slave who became a gladiator. The gladiator who defied an empire. Who is he? Will you move your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Gladiator. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. From director Ridley Scott. I have my signal. Unleash hell. Russell Crowe. Gladiator. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Russell Crowe, Connie Nielsen, Joaquin Phoenix, Jimon Hunsu, the late great Oliver Reed, and the late great Richard Harris, known first in my life as the first Professor Albus Dumbledore, who was in... Um, Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, and Chamber of Secrets before being replaced by Michael Gambon in um, Prisoner of Azkaban. And I think Gambon's played him ever since. But uh, Richard Harris just brought such a warmth to that character. And he brings a warmth to the Emperor as well. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this movie is whenever he and Maximus, the Roman general played by Russell Crowe, they're sitting down and just chilling in the tent and they're talking about the ways of the world and the idea of legacy. You know, the emperor has, he's an old man. He's lived his life. He's seen his battles. He's united his empire and kept everything together. And then he thinks, what is this all for? What did I do this for? What is like, cause all of this empire, this land, all this stuff's going to go away. What does it mean? And so he's having this sort of, I guess, crisis of, uh, of like thought, really. There's that mixture when he's talking about, like, I want to return Rome to being a republic, to being about the people, like the questioning of, uh, if I'm gonna serve my, uh, country, if I'm gonna, like, try to do the best for my country, should I do the best for the country? Should I do the best for the people? Like, what good is it to gather all these possessions and accolades and craziness if you're not going to be able to take it with you? I, I just like that kind of conversation that they're having. It's weirdly uh, those quiet, thoughtful moments that weigh over the big bombast in my heart. And a lot of this movie, for as crazy and viciously violent as it gets, like, people will get fucked up in this film to where you're saying no they don't just die they fucking get stabbed with like 10,000 arrows and then hung 
You know, this is the kind of movie where like, oh, Russell Crowe's going to fight a guy who's got like way more armor and weapons than he does. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. And now tigers. We're just going to fucking throw tigers in there because fuck you. Why not? And for all the bombast of this, I find those moments that bring it back down to a more human, thematic, uh, thoughtful way. Uh, are the ones that ring more powerful with me. I mean, it's this is one of the most badass lines in the movie, but it also fits, I think, into what's going on throughout the whole film. Uh, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. It's this karmic understanding of your life, and maybe it's just me thinking, again, more about death. Jesus Christ, what am I doing? <laughs> maybe I need to get some therapy. But thinking about what you've done in your life and what that amounts to and what's important in life and how that will be not only the determination of your afterlife but also the determination of what people would think about you in this time and maybe it's that need even the idea of echoing an eternity is such a specifically human thing like this need to survive this need to continue on no matter what happens even when our corporeal form leaves that we need to deal i don't know that, that we feel like we need to resonate and keep our uh, impact on this earth moving it's a i don't know it's just this weird feeling to have and i guess this is something that's sort of universal and the way that epics feel so epic and easy to you know I guess the epics are there because they feel simple because these are the first kinds of stories. And so these are the themes that people really started rational, like really working with and wrestling with this understanding of that you're going to die. And what does that mean about the purpose of your life? Now, maybe that helps create that sort of the grand scope because it's not only dealing with the grand physical scope like this giant coliseum and a shit ton of people cheering and the you know Hans Zimmer score just blaring and pumping up the best times of this film but it's also because you're dealing with the grand scope of like who are we and why do we do what we do and what does it all mean so Risa recommended this i originally did this as some sort of failed like i was gonna recommend movies to people but i figured that i am nowhere in the business of having seen enough movies like i haven't seen so i've seen so little movies that i am not in the business of recommending movies to people i just asked her like why did you why did you recommend this for me and she replied with you know kind of the obvious i guess that she's a big ridley scott fan and just Gladiator has everything good. There's a vengeance plot and she likes the swords and sandals stuff. It's one of those movies that everyone should see whenever you think of a historical epic. Along with the whole Maximus and Commodus dynamic, which is great for a hero and villain. This is part of where my Prince of Egypt thing comes in. Because in that movie, Moses and Ramses, they're brothers, but they are, you know... The protagonist and antagonist. And in this one, there's this sort of uh, on equal footing 
relationship between Maximus and Commodus. I like that both of them, despite Maximus being reduced to being a slave because of Commodus's betrayal, uh, in a way, the two men, the two personalities, they're on... Like, Maximus is such a good man, and Maximus is such the man that Commodus wants to be, that that integrity and that moral superiority puts him on an equal footing with the power and grandeur of an emperor. You know, and arguably, well, not even arguably, he is better. He is the more... uh, dominant force no matter what uh class he is you know and that dynamic was always fun and i like that this is one of those movies where technically the villain could just wipe out the hero at any minute but it's the ulterior motives behind what's going on that stop that keeps the hero alive I've always liked stuff like that, like especially in something like uh, in Green Room, whenever you know you've got these punk kids surrounded by Patrick Stewart and his gang of neo Nazis, and literally the only thing that keeps them alive is Patrick Stewart just not wanting to clean up the mess. And so something like Commodus, who has to play with the royal politics of being a good emperor and keeping his people from revolting and keeping his people on his side and winning the admiration of them that weighs more on his heart than anything maximus can do outside of just straight up usurping him so i like that he keeps his distance and he's like waiting for the best time to strike and striking in the shadows and a lot of this uh i can't help but think if you're a big pro wrestling fan you love this movie because so much of it is about the storyline and so much of it is about the perception to the audience and how big the ante can be without completely going overboard and or you know losing the capability for a longer uh form of storytelling later on down the line like i definitely think that whole uh commodus trying to work these bigger and badder main events in order to knock out maximus and kill him definitely feels like somebody doing like a push for someone to be ultimately like the wrestlemania at wrestlemania they win the wwe championship from like brock lesnar or some shit like that i don't know uh, even though I think Brock Lesnar has ended too many pushes to even start. Anyway, just, I, I like the grandeur of this. I like the theatricality of this. Going back to Hans Zimmer, by the way, uh, Klaus Bedell needs to pay Hans Zimmer so much money for how much of that per- Curse of the Black Pearl score he just straight up lifted from Black Pearl uh no like he lifted it from gladiator like you listen to the main themes of both things and i i swear to you there's no difference to me it is absolutely nuts and it's even weirder that hans zimmer would then score later pirates movies but i i'm pretty sure he has to know like these, these motherfuckers know right
just the grandeur of that score that Zimmer is putting, it feels like listening to opera. You know, it feels like listening to the chorus, like like a Greek chorus backing up whatever the main hero is doing. And there's just these grand horns and orchestra, and it's just so it, it, bombastic. I think the bombastic, the flair, the energy in this thing is so powerful, and it never gets gaudy. That was one of the things that uh, Risa mentioned was that she likes swords and standals to an extent, but it can get overly cheesy. And she later mentioned when talking that, like, if any of that dialogue were delivered by anyone other than Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix, quote, it would come off really cheese. And I think not surprisingly, another person who agrees with her is, in fact, Russell Crowe. You know, it was very difficult putting on those clothes and going, oh, yeah, off we go. I'm a Roman general. And I know that Joaquin Phoenix had the same problem because we talked about it you know the heights that those characters had to go to you know it was and it's very different because at that stage you know if you're wearing clothes like that you're probably doing a comedy or a piss take you know sword and sandal things had been out of vogue for you know a long time that whole idea was constructed around the sincerity of the core journey of a man's vengeance for the death of his wife and child I don't know what it is particularly. I think to a degree it could be just Ridley's commitment to going all out and taking this seriously. Like the drama the drama is heightened. The movie is elevated and there's like cg shots and there's weird dream sequences and it's all shot with that beautiful like 2000s luster but there's never a moment where like these grand performances and joaquin phoenix screeching at the top of his lungs and uh, russell crowe growling and grunting his way through the movie it's never taken as a parody like this is legitimately how they feel and the movie is constructed in a way that even when it does get ridiculous, it's backed up by just some damn good acting and damn good emotions in it too. From all, for all the posturing and preening and like gesticulating that Joaquin Phoenix does, there's a very real crippling insecurity and inability to fit his father's shoes that is in him and the intense jealousy when anytime he looks at maximus and there's you can see it in his eyes where he's just like oh my god this guy makes it look so easy why can't i do that and there's like this very very small uh I, I like this scene too any scene with richard harris in this movie is great but whenever commodus is explaining to his father the virtues that he has that he's not necessarily the son that marcus would have wanted but that's not to say there isn't merit to the son that he has and just watching richard harris kind of break realizing oh my god 
I'm part of the reason that my son is, I am the reason my son is like this. I never paid attention. And you can kind of see his heart as a father break because yet that's another thing. This guy's already thinking about his legacy and what he's, you know, done in his life and the regrets that he has. And now on top of all of this, while feeling the weight of age physically get onto him, now he's got to deal with this extra emotional thing of like, shit, I was a bad father. And just watching that, those characters play off of each other. It's just these little flashes in, of light in the eye and the expressions on their faces. It says everything. And I think if you didn't get solid performances from like this, from something like this, then yeah, Risa is totally right. This thing would come off cheesy and self-aggrandizing and... I wouldn't necessarily say pretentious, although the screenplay could playing with these ideas, especially this weird, weird, weird Oedipal complex that Commodus has that could so easily go off the rails. But in this case, it's just menacing and pathetic at the same time at the right degrees for whatever part of the story that we're in. I also liked watching a set design like something like in Rome that genuinely feels like they built just like a good set that it doesn't feel like it's shot on a green screen because I've seen that before and not to say there's not digital effects in Gladiator because trust me there fucking are but just the feeling that you got a bunch of people and put them in costumes and move them around like while they're like riding camels and moving horses and shit like the actual muscle of a film set there's no other site that can really replace it and there's also no better feeling for that kind of set you know practical stuff just looks better it behaves better on camera it just the light hits it at a way that feels real like it, if you want to think about what did ancient rome look like even if it's not 100 percent historically accurate i guess it's that belief that it, it was real and it did look like this matters you know god it's just watching this thing just it's a special kind of movie for me it's like it, it's weird to say they don't make them like this anymore, but in my mind, they really don't. They don't make it like this anymore, and it's really sad to me that it just doesn't feel that way. This movie just... Okay, aside from Best Picture, you want to talk about stuff that it won. So it not only got Best Picture at the 2001 Academy Awards, where it was up against the likes of Aaron Brockovich, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Traffic, and Chocolat, which I think it was neck and neck between this and Crouching Tiger, which, God, can you imagine being an Oscar? Can you imagine if Twitter came out in 2001? We already had the fucking Power of the Dog and Coda camps going on last year. Can you imagine if this was Gladiator versus Crouching Tiger Hidden Fucking Dragon? Jesus. It would have been a bloodbath. But uh, it won Best Picture, Costume Design, Sound, Visual Effects, and Actor for Russell Crowe. What it was also nominated for, 
Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Ridley Scott for Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Music by Hans Zimmer, and Best Art Direction and Set Direction. This thing got a whopping 12 nominations. Like, this is one of those movies that just works on all, really on all levels to me. And what I'm noticing, like, the things that it lost out on, like, there's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon for original score and cinematography. And, you know, I I get that. <laughs> you know, that makes perfect sense to me. A director. It's interesting the director, Soderbergh, got it instead of uh, Ang Lee. That, that one to me is a little like, huh. But then again, Ang Lee has just always been kind of, uh, I don't know, for as acclaimed as Ang Lee is, I don't, I still feel like he's underrated. You know, I cannot explain to you why, because his movies have literally gotten like big acclaim and whatnot, but I just feel like Ang Lee's not in the best directors of all time conversation, and I feel like we need to revisit that at some point, because the man's, the man's made a bunch of bangers. Did y'all see that Hulk movie? Fucking banger. Ridley Scott was talking to Empire Magazine, and Gladiator 2 is next in Ridley Scott's uh, in Ridley Scott's calendar after the Napoleon movie, who also has Joaquin Phoenix. That movie looks fucking great, by the way. If you haven't seen the screenshots from the set on there, like Joaquin as the Napoleon, that costume work is just absolutely stellar. I'm very on board with that one. But Gladiator 2 is supposed to be following the adventures of Lucius, the little boy who uh, Maximus befriends his, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's nephew, the Emperor's, the little kid. And that movie should center on that kid. And it takes place a couple decades after the movie came out. And so I'm actually curious in like a... And I don't want this to be like some kind of Creed thing where it just goes... Uh, I don't know. We don't really need this to be like a sequel reboot in a sense. But because of the way the movie ends and this notion of Rome is going back to the people... And becoming a true republic again and breaking away from the notions of the empire. Like, what is Lucius's role in that? How is he seeing the development of a young republic? Or, like, the redevelopment of a young republic? And what are the troubles and uh, tribulations that go through that? I feel like something addressing that would be way more relevant than ever. And just seeing how that stuff develops. I can't imagine that it's like... I feel like Gladiator 2 would have to basically Prometheus it and completely shift its focus and not be what people want. You know, I feel like Gladiator, the Gladiator in the sense needs to be like the Senate. It needs to be almost like the, you know, it needs to be, I hate to say it like this, it needs to be like the prequel trilogy where like Emperor Palpatine is like conniving and in the background or something like that. I feel like it needs to be way more political than it is, but then it wouldn't be a fucking Gladiator movie, which is just bizarre. I can't imagine that the movie's actually called Gladiator 2. It might be just called something else that happens to be in the same universe, like fucking Unbreakable Split and Glass, you know? 
but the notion of that, I am interested to see. I, I'm very scared for the way the movie will look because it is 20 years later and so much of our movie landscape is based around CG. And I know Ridley got a decent chunk of change for The Last Duel, but that didn't do so well in theaters. And I mean, it's Gladiator 2, so I'm pretty sure the studio is going to give them a lot of faith and help. It's being done by Paramount, who is still getting crazy business from Top Gun Maverick. I think Top Gun actually like increased sales this weekend by like a couple percent now. And it's knocking on Aven- Avengers Avengers. It's knocking on Infinity Wars uh, domestic box office. I think it's like 5 million bucks away, which I totally believe it's going to get there. What Paramount's been able to do with Top Gun this year has been nothing short of miraculous. And this movie is apparently uh, being... Gladiator 2 is being written by the same guy who did Top Gun Maverick, Peter Craig. So maybe the notion of taking what works, the feeling, the quieter moments that I like about Gladiator and giving it new life in a different direction based on the, you know, based on where we left off. Like a true sequel following the questions that now develop based on what was answered in the first movie, you know? I don't know. I'm very excited. Uh, Watching this thing, it was so easy to fall in love with Gladiator because so much of it was constructed in such this, like, warm, comforting way. It felt like watching something from my childhood, even though I was never, ever going to be able, allowed to see this thing until, like, I was an adult. But, I don't know, just something about watching a movie made 20 years ago and being made so well that it fucking holds up and excels today was just magic. It's fucking magic. Gladier, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening. Thank you to Risa. You can follow her on Twitter at Risa, R-E-S-A, super easy name. And uh, thank you so much, Risa, for recommending this thing. This was a lot of fun to talk about. If you guys want to recommend movies that I should watch, like say like, Daniel, what do you think about blank? You know, leave me that comment on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at the movies underscore pod. If you want to hear me talking about a movie, just hit me up to say like, hey, Daniel, what do you think of blank? And I'll fucking review it. I'll say you reviewed it and I'll say you recommended it and boom, here we go. And I'll probably ask you why you wanted me to recommend it or whatnot, blah, 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 blah. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Risa, for being the first of this like weird recommendation series. And until next time, friends, take care, all right? How dare you show your back to me? Slave! Will you move your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance. 
in this life or the next. 